Hold up. I gotta yell at my pig from my seat. <laughs> Hold on, everybody. I have to yell at a pig. That's <laughs> not a hear- sentence you hear every day. You can't hear that scratching? No. She's right above my head. You guys don't hear that scratching, really? It's no. your pig. Well, not in your house. <clears throat> you okay. You hear the scratching. We'll get started in a second. She's inside because it's so cold outside. You know, oh, but... you are like you're referring to a literal pig. I thought yes. Were, I thought like like pig was like a cute metaphor for something. No, it, it, it's yeah. a pig. There's it's a pig an in actual, that house. It's a big full size pig. It's not a little pig. It's not a pot belly pig. <laughs> She's a pig. She is a, it's not a little pig. pig at the petting zoo. Pig at the farm. Pig. I met her a couple months ago. She's a pig. She's a full size pig lounging in his spot on the couch right now. <laughs> That's why she's scratching because she's, she's mocking him. The ceiling. So many questions. So many questions. <laughs> you guys ready to get started? Oh shit! Uh, I just want to know more about the pig now that we're on the subject. You met her, man. I don't know what to tell you. She's cute, but kind of a I bitch at times. She scared me. Yeah, she does that. Old Nick Patio had a farm. Do you remember when we met? I do at AuthorCon. Yeah, for all of like. Seven yeah. seconds, I think, the first time. You were and so then you were one or two so minute conversations. <laughs> you were in so high demand. Like I caught you while we were by the fire and in, in like the last morning, and it was like Kenzie and I. Yeah. Ooh. Kenzie was still like uh, oh fuck. She was still hurting from our axe throwing um <laughs> so yeah. and she was not well. <laughs> No, she uh, she, she pulled a muscle, didn't she? Her first no. throw, I felt so yeah, terrible. yeah, so bad. She, it was just, it was this motion, yeah, and it yeah. just caught her. And she like had to sit down, and we like just plied her with margarita <sighs> after margarita at this bar. Here, rushed we rushed ran to walgreens like as they were about to close their doors and we got her like all the ice like icy hot things and whatnot you guys are ready, we ready? Are, are we done yeah all right patrick would you just start it welcome to another episode of dead headspace i'm your host patrick r mcdonough joined always by my friend brennan lafaro say hello brennan hello everybody and our other friend, Candice Nola. Say hello, Candice. Hello. And we are joined today by a returning guest, Rowan Hill. Say hello, Rowan. I am a returning guest. Hello. Hello. Yeah, last time, the first time you came on was with uh, Nico Bell. That was March Nico 3rd, Bell. 2022. Mm-hmm. And you, two are, you two are just, uh, you two cannot be on the show together because you two plus Candice, I'm fucked. You really did get into some tangents didn't we i apologize that that was almost two years ago you were living in i believe you said living not staying for vacation you were living in italy at I the was, time i was living in that uh on that volcano good time that, that's great we were talking about that before you came on um and I, I had seen that there's like two super volcanoes underneath uh italy um uh-huh. that's terrifying but 
you learn to live with it. I mean, it's just like, you know, people in LA like learn to live with the threat of that super earthquake coming their way. I mean, uh, actually, if you Google Mount Etna right now, it's, it's it's like a huge lava flow right now. It's just, it's constantly going. It's Holy fine. Holy shit. It doesn't <laughs> sound fun. It is the most active volcano in Europe, but it's not like explosion. It's like constantly trickling out. It's fine. They're used to it. So... What have you I moved away, so I don't care anymore. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll take your word for it that it's fine. To me, it doesn't sound fine. I have lived on a lot of volcanoes. Surprisingly, I have lived on like three. <laughs> Holy shit! That's um, a, one is objectively too many. Well, you know what? It's the Pacific Ring. It's like mm. all you know. If you're anywhere on the Pacific Ring, you're going to be near a volcano. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What have you been up to in that time? Uh, I moved. I moved to America. So that was interesting. Uh, it's actually my first time living in America as an adult. Um, like, like not just visiting for like three months, visiting my family in Arkansas. It's hmm. like, I am American now. So um, I was born and I grew up in San Diego for a while. And then I moved as a teenager over to Australia Hmm. and then I lived there and I like Australians never really stay in Australia, if that makes sense. Um, Australians know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And then I um, eventually made the move over to Japan. Uh, And then I met my husband and uh, we lived in Hawaii for a while, and then I moved. I moved to Thailand to Bangkok for a while. I worked for um, UNESCO, uh, which is the United Nations education sector, and then it was Japan, and then Italy, and now America. <laughs> wow, <laughs> it is it's a lot of travel. I'll be honest; it's not as great as it sounds. <laughs> I only knew one other writer when I was still living in Massachusetts connected to the UN. I forget what she did, but she something to do with writing. Don't know what. I mean, it can either be great or it can be you can be an intern and get paid nothing. <laughs> right. You know, I'm, I'm glad we got into uh, really quickly all of the places you have lived, visited, etc. Because I, I got to thinking you know, when I was reading Foxfire, I'm not sure I've read uh, two things by you that take place in the same location. And I wonder how you approach that with your writing, where it almost has like this international flair where setting just becomes almost super important because you vary it up so much. Yeah, you know, I, uh, that's really good. I do recognize this in myself that I mean, I, we talked about this before is that it's the whole purpose like one of the crutches of writing is to write something unique right mm. and um I guess I mean I don't want to say that's my shtick but that's like something that I can use and I get bored easily <laughs> just I mean uh you know to to two novels set in Finland like I mean change it up and then 
yeah, so I do not do a lot of same place settings. But and the other thing is, I also find that, um, you know, the biggest character in any of my stories is the place, which is why choosing them has to be so important. And there's almost sometimes a gothic feel to my novels is because setting I put so much emphasis on setting. Mm. I, I I I like that you threw out shtick because I almost kind of wanted to broach that, but it felt rude. But now you've oh, said it, so but it, it, no, I, I I do wonder if when you when you go to write something, you know, how much of it is I need to do something new, and you know, uh, this unique idea, you know, it it, it can operate so much better in this place versus this place. Versus almost kind of like a responsibility, like, you know, people who want a Rowan Hill story, they've read one in Finland now. I haven't done uh, that. What? I haven't, no, I, I haven't, I haven't caught that, uh, that bug yet. Responsibility, like my brand, I think you're probably referring yeah. to. Yeah, no, I don't have that yet, but I do recognize that I, I enjoy isolated places more, isolated, isolation horror. And I never, I never put my stories in that category, but I, you know, I have to acknowledge that a lot of my stories hinge on that isolation. Yeah. Do you know why that is, or it's just something that holds the most appeal? Question. I mean, I would say that. I mean, before I before I got caught and I settled down, I was actually a very big outdoors woman um like I would I hiked you know Nepal I've done Mount Fuji I've taken mm. off for a lot like weeks at a time and off grid and um you know road trip around Europe and found myself in Slovakian forests at stupid times and um uh, so I probably say that that history is probably a big influence of what I find scary because I mean some of the most scariest things I've ever like truly experienced like personal experience have been when there's no one else around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so we got to jump on that. I mean, oh sure, yeah. Without you know uh, throwing out a future story idea that you don't you're not ready to 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 you know give out yet. Uh, Give us, you know, a scenario or two, something, you know, the isolation of nature that you could oh, channel into a story. Sure. Yeah. Okay, sure. So uh, probably my scariest isolation story is probably when I was hiking the Annapurna Circuit. And this was, uh, so this, the Annapurna Circuit is in uh, Nepal. It's part of the range there. It's not the Everest, um, but it's like the second or third. They call it the Apple Pie Trail because um, on the end half, there's like all these places serve apple pie. And also because it's one of the easier trails, uh, still not like, not super easy for like a normal person. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I remember it was like, uh, the fifth or sixth day we were hiking and my friend got, so I didn't hike by myself. I hiked with my then boyfriend and his now wife. 
and my friend, um, another man, and my friend got sick, like throwing up blood sick. And there was nothing. <laughs> it was like a trail. And you so you would walk from like village to village. Like it took like nine or 10 hours to walk at this time. At this time um, in at this timeline, it was after the coup. And but before modernization. So I've heard that since then they've created a road, but there was no road then. It was like just walking along a dirt track. And we got to this valley and there was like, there was no village. It was just a long valley and these mountains on this side. And I remember like, I took off my pack. We all like had to use restrooms and I took off my pack and <laughs> I went like over the hill and I was like pulling down my, just pulling out my pants, luckily. And I heard a branch crack behind me, like, be, like behind me where the others were in front of me, like over this hill. And I saw movement, <laughs> like single, like, a, you know, woman alone pulling up her pants. And like this valley was, big but it was also small enough that you could see everything like from a hill and just like understanding that there is nothing there's no recourse like you can't like you sprain your ankle there's no one coming to help you you're limping or dying to the next thing so luckily um my friend who had thrown up blood we were in the second day. This was this, when he was sick. It was the second day. And he was a typical Australian male. Like he kept on going. He would keep walking until he died. <laughs> and luckily, just before we got into the wilderness, there was like a home Nepalese doctor that um, gave him something and he stopped throwing up. But he was walking the next day. <laughs> something <laughs> honestly it was crazy it was crazy but that like the knowledge that there's no there's nothing <laughs> i mean it's so easy like you could pick up your phone and call for help right now no yeah there's, no i don't like that. there's nothing like it there's no way to there's no way to convey that well and that's why i've never been to nepal mm -hmm. Anyway, that's probably the one of the one of like three that stick out in my mind is that I'll never forget it either. That movement, he, it was taller than me and it went behind a tree and I fucked out of there. <laughs> did, you, did you make out any details? Oh, uh, no, Pat, as soon as I saw it, I was gone. It's like, <laughs> Yeah, no, you don't stay. Yeah. You don't stay. Red oh, I would have run too. I'm just curious. You're showing us. Your would stay and turn around. Like, what is that? The rest of us are gone, but no. still, still there. Fuck that. No? That would have just been his reflection. <laughs> anyway. Fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, can we talk about uh, 
Well, actually, before we get into Foxfire, um, in the Arctic Sun, we talked about that the first time you were on. And... We tried. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's we been tried. almost two years. Forgive me. Uh, do you want to do it now? Well, no, because don't you remember? We couldn't talk about it because everything about that book is a spoiler. Oh, if yeah. you remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was the one where we had the like Benny Hill esque fast forward in the middle of the episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I remember. But we can, yeah, it's been two years. No one's gonna read it now. We can, we can yes, they will. Yes, they will. <laughs> so, so let let me ask you this then, since we're gonna talk about the book, we can't talk about because it's all spoilers. If you had to tell somebody why they should read it in two minutes or less, what would you say? And it's throwing out that kind of question about yes. prepping me for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably say, what could I say? Oh, do you know how I sold it? I sold it as like a Alaskan Babadook where you're not sure what's happening until like the climax but i reverse engineered the shit out of that story so if you if you like really kind of paid attention you could find all the pieces and i do that with every story i I don't know why i can't i would love to be a pantser i would power to those people i can't do it (laughs) yeah i would love to do that but i just don't think i mean putting clues in is kind of like enjoyable to me so yeah like cathartic to kind of tease people like oh you missed that one huh yeah (laughs) you're like agatha you're like agatha christie with the supernatural twist to it that's so funny did i tell you about that pat did i mention i I've read your stuff and I like Agatha oh, Christie. So. That's how I sold Foxfire. I sold oh, Foxfire as Agatha Christie times Quentin Tarantino. That like, kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah you definitely yeah. get moments of yeah. pretty visceral gore. Um, if you guys want to talk about Foxfire now, can't we? If, like, I mean, since we're moving on to that, and that is the newest one we're here to talk about. So, same question, Rowan. I was going to ask. God damn it, I'm already <laughs> speaking, Pat. Too late. Sorry, so show two minutes to pitch it without mm-hmm. spoiling it. What do you say? Hmm. I I do not like the word whodunit. Um, I think it's old, but this is a murder. It's a murder mystery on crack, and it. <laughs> and it has pretty much like every element you can think of when it comes to horror. I I mean, it's slasher. It's part slasher. It's the murder mystery. It has the love hate symptoms of possessiveness. It's got a little bit of paranormal. It's definitely got folklore. Um, I mashed the shit out of this story. Um, like you might like so if somebody said like roll a dice, you're like, yeah, that's probably what I did in my in my brain, like mashing two genres. So if you like something a little bit different and fast, holy moly, this this book is fast. Um, 
I've heard most people do it in like one sitting because it's not it's not a huge book mm-hmm. um but I definitely try to be fun in my writing I'm not gonna make you cry with grief heart I'm not there yet um but my my write my stories are fun I will say that I gotta ask why did you add a yakuza in there I thought that was cool oh. I didn't expect well, it. Uh, why did I do? Uh, why did I add the international crowd? Is probably a better choice. Is I mean, it's what I know. Like my experience with yakuza is that one, you don't even say, you do not say it aloud the word yakuza. But if you're, walking, you just said it. I know. Forgive <laughs> me. Uh, if you are walking, if you are walking down. You know, downtown Nagoya and in the tiny streets where it's like you would think it's all pedestrian, but it's not. And you see shiny black sedans going through. You just step to the side as far as you can and you just let them go through. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I have to tell you that I always get the word Yakuza mixed up with Jacuzzi. And one time it landed me in hot water with the Japanese mob. That was uh-huh. such a dad joke. <laughs> I thought it was a good one. All right. So I'm going to pretend that I didn't make that. Um, now, you, you said that, you know, as much as you don't love the term whodunit, um, I couldn't help thinking that it was a variation on a, like a locked room mystery. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's the isolation at play, certainly. Um, but it also has the relatively sizable cast. I mean, for a, for a short novel, for like a 170-page book, there's a big cast. So yeah. I would love to hear you talk about kind of creating an ensemble cast and in that kind of limited space, giving everybody kind of memorable moments so that they stand out. Yeah, dude, it was not easy. I had to really... This was like the planner. Like, I had cards. I had like connections who connects to do and because I overlapped like they would just have a little bit of overlap and okay so everybody yes everyone is memorable because um you have like everybody if you have such a large cast you have to make everybody distinguishable otherwise no one's gonna remember who did what you know so when you have that, like, like, like any Agatha Christie, like, let's go to the goat, you know, all of her characters have a certain position that they play and are either immediately cast with a sinister air or like the wholesome person. And she plays with that really well uh, in how she presents her characters at first. And then you get the glimpses that hint at something underneath. And I, I mean, yeah, you got to give everybody their moment in the sun. Otherwise, why are they even there? Um, Why are they there indeed? Yeah. I mean, I mean, in my books, it's because they're going to (laughs) die. All right, then. Um, So along those lines of how many people there actually were in this one for all of us to track, (laughs) Um, which one was your favorite character to write? And I'm going to add on to that with 
which one did you find the hardest to write? If they're not the same. The, mo the, the funnest character was absolutely Regina. Mm -hmm. um, she's just so flamboyant. And those characters are the best to give the craziest, most ludicrous, most drama queen moments to. But I mean, obviously, I don't think I associated with her. Uh, and the hardest one, the hardest one for me to kind of visualize and get in his head was probably uh, Tetsuya and uh, or Matthias, the uh, old, old, the elder uh, innkeeper. Mm -hmm. Obviously, because I'm not a 60 year old man or a Japanese Yakuza. Um, it's just, it, uh, I mean, it's hard to access those feelings of like possessiveness and in <laughs> inferiority. Now I'm being bragging. <laughs> it, it was hard to, I mean, it was just me, but it was hard to tell if the guy actually like like loved his, <laughs> if he actually loved her, his wife. Oh, uh, I think he did. I think he was just very possessive. Hmm. He probably loved her superficially, like, because she was, you know, a lot of times in Japan, a lot of things are about, um, you know, the optics and what you look like. And very beautiful women with pale skin are very much prized in Japan. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. So the, the physical, the domestic abuse in this. Was that difficult for you to write? Because like that was kind of over the top. I really I tried to include it, but I definitely didn't want it to be a thing. Mm. I wanted it to be like seen as a catalyst, but not be the center of a relationship. Mm. That's nice, so. Brennan. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of taking us back to the location thing a little bit, but I really, I really dug the, uh, whole thing in the acknowledgements where you talked about taking a vacation to the Arctic circle, uh, for research purposes. So I, I wonder what, you know, obviously the isolation is, uh -huh. is, is a key factor, but what made you think Arctic circle northern finland like why did it have to be there it's because my bucket list was to see the northern lights that was my bucket list i had gone through two years of covid it was tough i was in like the epicenter of covid i was in italy um you know it was it was very uh very dark times <laughs> where i was like we like my small town was half of them were old people. Hmm. They didn't fare so well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I got to this time where my, I had like had a terribly long day and something had gone wrong. And my husband came home. And I'm like, I'm taking a vacation. <laughs> like I said, it so forcefully, but like withheld it. Like, like right now, <laughs> like I'm going to <laughs> 
so yeah i uh i mean i was in europe and it was right there it was like a, a six hour flight stop over in prague or all those places i forget the polish one what's the polish capital oh i don't know yeah no Kiev? maybe and uh yeah and then uh up to up to lapland yeah it was very it was very beautiful everything in this book is super authentic it's almost embarrassing like i could probably tell you the name of this like remote hotel slash like park property i went to and you would go there and like oh yeah that's exactly like everyone described it like yeah little imagination <laughs> I love nothing the cover wrong. too. No, nothing wrong with that. No, no, no. It was it. it was it. prime. Oh, you can't see it. You're you're. I got it. We don't want to look at Patrick's dirty bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's not a bedroom. So, you butthead. Uh, thank you for showing that. So that there's is a, my there's bed. Artist. It's not my bed. It's a guest bed. <laughs> yeah. So that is by I stopped as soon as I wrote this book, I knew what I wanted for a cover. And I like typed in on Instagram, I typed in the Finnish word for Northern Lights. Mm. And I found this Finnish artist who is um, who did all of like he did he did posters for the national parks. And it was such a unique style. And so I, I reached out to him like a year before I even sold the book. <laughs> like just just like i'm putting i'm putting myself on your radar that one day a publisher might contact you <laughs> and you 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 do end up with very very striking covers you know i remember we talked about the uh, arctic sun one and just like the 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 blinding white and the the effect that they achieved with that one and then this one that the beautiful shades of like kind of bluish green uh you, you've you've garnered a reputation now and you 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 aren't allowed to have a lame cover from here on out so <laughs> Man, don't throw around the word reputation reputation i just threw it yeah so, no, i got really lucky so take us through the process <laughs> of take us through the process of uh landing this book with bayou wolf and what it was like to work with them uh, you know what? It wasn't easy. This uh, there was like eight publishers that rejected it. Like I'm gonna be totally honest. This is not for everyone because it doesn't fit in one box, mm. right? Like I had I had to explain that. Like I'm like, look, it like I can't put I can't say it's a slasher. I can't say it's folk car, but it's all of those. It's a little bit of cosmic, and then. After I got some uh, blunt feedback from one publisher, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna. I I approached it differently, and I started to look at publishers that I would actually be friends with hmm. in real life. I don't know if that makes total sense, but I read a lot of bios, and I found BioWolf. And because they were just opening up and they had published another book by a uh, Cassandra Windwalker. I don't like I had never heard of her before, but she's very prolific. <laughs> um, I've never heard of her either. 
Yeah, she is. She has something coming up really soon. I forget. Um, but and so I reached out and I wrote this very unique query letter. <laughs> And I like I explained my book. I'm like, look, uh, I mean, I'm writing you because, you know, Mike lived in Japan and you and I it sound like we have the same life. And uh, there's like so many similarities between us. And, and it worked. <laughs> so that that's was, awesome. That was how I did it. Um, would it be that way for everybody? I have no idea. Would I do it like that again? Uh, probably not. Um, but I knew that I had a really great book. And it's kind of like it's that moment where you you're getting frustrated that it pass it like it passes through so many. And I was like, oh, I gotta change it up. So and they were to answer your question, Brennan, they were really good to work with. Um I would recommend that it's a it's a married couple elizabeth and mike and they were so kind they and they were like so it was a new press and they were surprisingly like on top of everything like they i mean i say sorry surprisingly i shouldn't say that but uh for such uh new publishing they knew everything i mean it's the my book is in bookstores it can be ordered everywhere they had ideas about kindle unlimited and yeah they were really receptive too i will say this to like uh cover and design and i like mm. said hey i have a cover artist and they had told me what they did in the past and it didn't really feel good with me and i like showed them my cover artists that i wanted and their style and they reached out and the price was good and so yeah they were great i recommend them i, I totally get the like the hesitance to throw out surprisingly but at the same time like we, we we can all acknowledge that when a press is brand new that there's a learning curve there and there's certainly trial and error but it, it's really nice to hear that that those you know um uh hurdles were were very very minimal if you had them at all uh that they seemed to know what they were doing right from I the get-go anything else that um they could have done that a bigger house wouldn't have done and what can what else can you say beyond that you know is that you th that you can't you know what yeah. could they have done better and the answer is nothing yeah yeah that's a good experience. Yeah, no regrets. Candace, throw it to you. Throw it to me. Oh dear. So we covered the book and some characters. Definitely the fact that you're a planner, not a pantser like me. I think Brennan's kind of a pantser sometimes too, but I for sure. Only when yeah. it works. I did three. <laughs> I did a trilogy. I have to feel, I think that there's some. A little bit. Do you? <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, definitely with your characters. Your characters had a good character arc. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, that trilogy was entirely pissed. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah, he's my brother from another mother because I wing everything. 
So it's been fun. Wing um, being chicken wing. Wow. Random. Yeah, Thanks for that. I know. I had a question. Now Pat just ruined it. No more interruptions, please. How do we get it back? No. No. Um, planning and pantsing and all of that. Do you feel that your planning process now has evolved since your first couple of stories and books? Has it changed a lot? Has it been helpful? Or do you keep the same one? No, it hasn't changed at all. Because I remember my first novel that I wrote back in 2016 was still like the same evolved, like very involved, very like intricately weaved characters, uh, like throwing to the next character. Um, Yeah, no, I, I can't, I can't pants and planning has always been there. And I'm wondering now if it's a, if that is like a character trait, like if that is something that is like you can trace back to because I am very I'm not a controlling person but I definitely like to plan out my day like Mm -hmm. I I have a plan for what I'm doing when I have a list where I cross shit off and it feels pretty goddamn good and I'm wondering now if it's like I mean Candace are you like chill go with the flow kind of personality oh yeah yeah, I, I'm extremely kind of go with the flow. Um, I do plan my my schedule out now because I have to. I have zero time. But when it comes to my writing itself, yeah, no, I wing it. Okay. Um, at the most, lately, I have started to do a very loose outline maybe of the chapters like I want to go from here to here to here to here but that'll be it because in between there however I connect chapter one to chapter two to chapter three yeah it's not planned it's not it's I just went in yes I am I am the exact opposite and maybe it's also to do with my stories because I use a lot of unreliable narrators and I hide a lot of things from the reader and that is actually kind of hard to do well yeah. if I do it well. Um, it is very to like have that kind of secret secrets hidden within the storyline. I feel like I have to plan it. Mm. So along that, those same notes, since we're talking about your process, ma'am. You've done novels and you've done short stories and whatnot. So do you prefer the novel length, the novella, the short story? And does your planning process change depending on if it's a short story or if it's a novel? Do you do the extensive planning with everything or just with your longer works? Short stories are easy to pants or easy to pants. Um, but I haven't done that much. I've only got I've got one novella. I've got two trunk novels. Hopefully, hopefully this one novel sells one day. <laughs> and then Foxfire. I don't I don't have that much. I'm still involving. I'm a Pokemon. I'm in my 
stage. Nice. Me too. Me too. So we'll see what the year holds. I am growing and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Not at all. Speaking of the year and since we're evolving in our Pokemon stage, um, what are you most looking Getting fatter. What did I say about interrupting? Throw something at him. <laughs> I mean, it is Pat's face on the logo. <laughs> yeah. it, it is. And, and it's we not have a show. With, with it. It's not his that show. That just means I the expectations are higher for him. <laughs> so they're really low. Yeah. Candace, go ahead. I thought you were going to ask Are you done? Are you done? Anyway, Rowan, 2024 is almost here. So without the normal question of what are you work, working on, blah, 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 let's go with what are you most looking forward to in 2024? What do you have coming up event-wise, con-wise, vacation-wise? Like, what is on that list? Well, I'm going to see you at AuthorCon. Sure. Mm-hmm. I got um, Kenzie and I are having a table. Nice. nice. Uh, at three or four? uh williamsburg okay three so i'm seeing you sooner rather than later thanks and then i do have i I have a lot of short stories coming up um one with a popular podcast we probably all know and uh i got some i have crystal lake stuff (laughs) coming out and i i enjoy every short story that comes out i think i have four or five right now that are coming out and they're always fun um and then i don't know what else i have coming out (laughs) so i'm gonna end with my last question for the night, I suppose. And that's going to be, um, I'm going to put you on the spot, just FYI. So who is your current favorite author in the mainstream? And do you have a favorite indie author or two that you would like to plug, promote, say hi to, whatever? My favorite mainstream author changes so much. Here's, <laughs> I mean, the thing that I really, I I do not read more than one author. Like, I do not read one author's work more than once a year because there's so many. It feels rude <laughs> to <laughs> just stick with one author and ignore all the other amazing work. And I mean, everybody in this like computer screen knows that time is precious and there is not a lot of time for Mm. me personally to read. And it's very frustrating. So I definitely try to spread it around when it comes to reading. Um, I mean, I can tell you who I, I mean, I just read The Reformatory. And, mm, that's a great book uh, yeah holy moly that she did that so well uh it was very well done and i will certainly like in the future if i see anything i will definitely search her out 
someone, I mean, someone who I always look out for is Jeff Vandermeer. Um, and just, I've probably done more of his works because I'm, my next book is like using this as a comp. So it's always good to like learn from the master. (laughs) And my favorite indie person right now is probably my friend, Red Lego. I just read that too. That's amazing. I loved it. Yeah, she's she she leveled up for that one. And I would always and she is gosh, she's got a big year. She's Mm -hmm. got so much coming out. Um, that has actually I remember we were uh we we were having breakfast we were having like a brunch like in January the earlier this year and she was telling me all the things that for the next two years so she's gonna have she's got lots of stuff coming out nice Well, good. Well, that will end my questions, actually, my official questions. So, Brennan or Pat, do you two have anything else? Yes, Patrick, you've been... Wow, what? What's that? One at a time, fellas. One at a time. I said, yes, Candace, same question for you that you had for Rowan. Because I'm actually not being funny, but I I am wondering. What, my favorite mainstream and favorite in indie? Oh, um, I mean, anyone who knows me at this point or has been listening to the show knows that Stephen King is one of my favorite mainstream authors, hands down. He's literally the reason I write. Um, well, one of three. Um, Egg Allan Poe, of course, he's not around to hear me rave about him anymore. <laughs> See what I did there? Nevermore. I, I heard it. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> um... Jonathan Jans is right up there on the top of my list. Um, Ronald Malfi. Uh, indie, indie. Yeah. Have you read um, here? I like that cover. Which which one is that? Hold up a little bit more. This is the new one that Shane Keen. Uh, I don't have that one yet. It's on, on my list, but I've not Jonathan read it yet. Jans has a story in here. That, that, that's right. Story. It's on my list. I have uh, probably... T- well, of his books right over here <laughs> on the top shelf. I sent him a picture of them once, and I was like, you know, I am one of your biggest fans. <laughs> They're all just lined up. Um, in the indie community itself, the indie horror community right now, I don't know. Some guy named Brennan LaFaro is one of my top five. Um, Christopher Rufty is another one. Um Mike Ennenbach right now, but maybe I'm biased because, I don't know, he's one of my friends and one of my authors. <laughs> but the novel he just wrote is amazing. So, I mean, I have a few. I, I have a few. You can That's... ship your friends. You know, I, I can. Because I was reading them before they became my friends. So, right. you know, it was through reading them and, of course, starting my own writing and getting more into it and becoming a little bit more known that they became friends of mine. Jonathan Jans knows who I am. Like, we're friendly. I don't know if he would consider me a friend as of yet, but we're definitely friendly and we've met and we've talked and we are, we interact and all that. And it's been amazing. 
Ronald Malfi and I have met and talked and interacted and we've hung out at Stoker and AuthorCon and Texas AuthorCon and I can drink. <laughs> Wait, who? <laughs> Malfi? <Tell> yeah. <laughs> But it's like all of these things have happened because of me being a part of the community now, which obviously never would have ha happened if I hadn't been. So I'm grateful. And yeah, all the authors I read right now, I could probably say they're not mainstream. They're probably a friend at this point on some level. Hmm. So, right on. Except um, you, Pat. The fuck? more like family. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Before uh, you get a got you. Yep. <laughs> uh, so Vivian has a question for you, Rowan. I mean, not a question. A it literally even says I have no questions. Sorry, poopy brain. <laughs> uh, she says I have no questions. Dumbass, but I want to that's direct at me. Uh, JK, but I want to say that I love Rowan and that she is one of the only people who ever exchanged Christmas cards with me, and I still have hers, and I will keep it forever and ever. Smiley face. <laughs> you enjoy a nice gesture. Yeah, she's fun. Yeah, she sent me a snowy owl Christmas card two years ago, all the way to Italy. Oh wow! I still got that. Thank you, Vivian. <laughs> do you guys want to get? I gotta do Christmas cards. Ah. I'm gonna write that down. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it's already the six. Um you guys do you guys want to jump into currently reading? Yeah, sure. I am doing currently reading. What are you currently reading? I uh uh hang on, I gotta show I gotta I gotta show the cover because the cover is just so good. Oh <laughs> uh, wait, okay. It is the Haunting of the Paranormal Romance Awards <laughs> by Christoph Paul of Clash Books. Nice. Oh, Christoph yeah. Paul. He's a good yeah. guy. I mean, if you if the if the premise doesn't win you the zombie Fabio will. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I need to buy that now solely for the cover. It is, it is like it's 99 cents on Kindle. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty it's pretty good and his 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 humor is so good like I don't know how to describe his humor but I enjoy his tweets. Yeah. Him his, yeah, him and his wife are really awesome. Uh, I know, I know. Yes. I would love Clash to meet books. Them. Um yeah, he's a really nice guy. I met them at uh, Scares of Care a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Sweet people. Um Candice, what are you currently reading? What am I currently reading? I hate that question because I'm currently reading like one. nine different things. <laughs> everything. Oh god, everything. Um, let's see. I am currently reading a couple of books for a blurb right now. So I do have the new novel by John Durgan coming out, Kosa. And I also have the new novel from James Carlson called The Eleventh Door coming out soon. And I'm blurbing both of those, so I'm currently reading those. And I think I'll stop there because I have like nine books in my nightstand for reviews. <laughs> Brennan. Uh first off, I, I I'm about to start Cosa by John Durgan. Uh that cover is creepy as shit. And yeah. isn't it? Truth be told, I've you know, I've read two of his books, his story collection and the um 
novella collection he took part in with John Lynch and Jay Bauer and man, he just doesn't disappoint. So I, without having read a word in Cosa, I know it's going to be good. I know I'm going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, I am rereading Nosferatu by Joe Hill, which mm-hmm. I have not read in a long time, but it's a, that dude can just straight up write. Like, you know, I hate, I, I feel almost blasphemous saying this, but he's objectively a better writer than his dad. Like, you can say, man. Uh, yeah, and you, you know, it. it's a, you said it, not it's, me. How you know, and, and, yeah, no, no. I, I, I feel, I feel icky inside. But like, when we get canceled know, tomorrow, I'm writing you a yeah. strongly worded letter. Sorry. No, <laughs> Dude, it's fine. <laughs> Steve, Stephen King probably doesn't listen to the show ever, but probably, I mean, Owen but if he does, now he probably. Him, so. does. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> I, I almost, I almost feel like there's there's storyteller and there's writer. And Joe Hill is a really good storyteller and a great writer. And I think that Stephen King is a really good writer and a great storyteller. And, and you know, they're both top of their game. So, I mean, really, we're, we're nitpicking here. But um, it's just... Way to clean it, that up. It's, <laughs> thank you. Um, it, it's, it's executed so much better than I remember it. And it's, it is kind of fun revisiting works by people like Joe Hill and Stephen King that I haven't you know that the last time i read them uh i had never really tried to write anything and now rereading it in you know this time period i'm a, you can view it through a different lens and you know you can see these subtleties and these like th- these devices that you just totally glossed over the first time um and it's it's just brilliance at work um so i'm enjoying the hell out of it you know both from a you know I guess, reader perspective, but also as, you know, to pulling it apart and saying, I, you know, I see what you did there. Um, so yeah, I'll leave it there. I've said enough, Patrick. All right. So I just finished Ron's book earlier today and <laughs> I, <laughs> wait until telling yourself, Patrick, I, I don't, you know what? Oh, Hey, I, actually, I, I was wondering if you got, but any of you guys had time to read it. Cause I know, I know how busy you are. I was like, Oh, I'm not gonna, I got, I'm not going to deep dive and ask them questions. Like if they liked it or anything, cause they might not have read it. Oh, we do our homework, my dear. My, my brain is extra no worky today. Um, but I <laughs> am about, I'm about to start reading spin a black yarn by Josh Mallerman. Um, yeah. Because you're interviewing them in two days. <laughs> On Monday. On Monday, him and Tyler Jones. <laughs> Not two days, like five. <laughs> yeah. I have the audiobook, so I'm good. I need time. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, where can people follow you, Ron? And you can follow me home from work if you really. <laughs> uh-huh. Send me your address. Yeah, man, dude. The social media is right now but uh i i'm on all of the socials whether i succeed at them is another thing um i'm under everything is writer rowan hill and i have my website which is just writer and i mean i do i hope i hope i have some announcements coming up here in before christmas um and that'll be pretty that'll be like my christmas present because it's good <laughs> that's right around the corner yeah but i would like to say before you end up that i have not forgotten you brennan 
from three years ago when you reached out and you told me how much you liked my first short story that was ever published. Oh, is that and- in Shiver the anthology? Nope, it was in the Candisha Press. The one that got away. Oh. I read my story set in the Australian bush. And reach out to reach out if you like a story, reach out because it's like the spark that lights a fire. Yeah, right here, right behind. Oh. I got that yeah, one. Jill yep. sent me that one. I got that in my still unpot all the boxes on box. I mean, you think I would, you think like time would like shadow those things and make them murky, but I still remember Jill reaching out and like professing how much she loved it. And then Brennan a few months later or something. So it means a lot of people. And I haven't forgotten Brennan. No, I I totally get that. It's, 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 you know, I, (laughs) it's, it's meaningful to hear that somebody enjoyed your work. And if you're, if you're ever feeling shy about telling somebody that their story, you know, made your day or meant something to you, don't because they, you, they, they, they want to hear it. You know, I can, I can just about guarantee you that anybody, whether they're a fledgling, uh, you know, just published their first story or whether they just pop their, you know, 250th story, they're not going to hate hearing, Hey, your work meant something to me. So mm-hmm. reach, reach out, make that connection. Mm-hmm. Well said. Where can people follow you there, Miss Candice? Um, you can follow me at uncomfortablydark.com. Um, and also under my newsletter. name. Oh my gosh. The newsletter. Um, Patreon, <laughs> Twitter, Blue Sky, uh, Instagram. It's uncomfortably dark or Cenola author. I'm also on TikTok too. But beginning in January, you'll be able to follow me personally on my personal website because everything is being split out from my own work in the publishing house now. So you'll have me as an author and you'll have Uncomfortably Dark or for the publishing brand. So Yeah, I don't know if we know it's on the show, but yeah, Candice hmm? is a publisher now. What? Yeah, she started her own list. I don't know if we ever announced that on the on the show. No, it just happened. It was just like Yeah, I don't think we've recorded an episode since it officially happened. So we just announced it. So I mean, yeah. I, I announced it about a week ago, <laughs> but I I've been sneaking my way up to it as most you know, about the last like six months or so. And well, I actually started last fall tentatively to see how it was gonna go and if I was gonna like it. And then I had to decide a bunch of things this year, but we're going to give it a shot, see how we do, see how this next year goes. But I'm excited and I feel really good about it. So, yeah, you can follow the publishing label or you can publish me. Follow me either way. Publish me. Hey, you want to publish Yeah, you can publish her too. I think. I mean, now like that I'm publish. publishing, I'm going to need a publisher. So, you know, weird how that works. <laughs> anyway. Brennan. Brennan, where can people follow you? You can follow me on TikTok at Brennan LaFaro. Wow. Is that, wait, is that real? Love it. No, it's not. No, you're not on TikTok. <laughs> I was gonna you can follow me like anywhere else. I everywhere else it. except TikTok. Yeah, I won't do it until I will. Well, you'll be doing it in January. You can follow me That's at Pierre McDonough. You can, <laughs> you can follow the show at Dead Headspace. Um, 
pretty much all platforms. Uh, Rowan, we, uh, final thoughts. Uh, guys, you guys have been doing like so amazing. You've had like so many big <laughs> authors. I'm just, I'm just happy to be included. <laughs> We're friends. Yeah, I, know. That, I got that going for me. We're friends. <laughs> <laughs> um i don't want to cut you off is there anything else no nothing okay else. Buy my book. Uh, yes buy firefox candace never say it out loud. I never say buy firefox i never say it just do it it's so hard <laughs> buy firefox uh, buy her book buy her book buy her book uh, i don't know my final thoughts let's see read horror read indie horror read by horror read your horror read her horror just read we like it um, Rowan, as for you, cannot wait to see you again, actually. <laughs> so maybe we'll actually have time to chat this time, like, right? in like a year. Yeah, well, you know, it'll be, we're down to what, like four months away, technically. Time change. Eight, oh, eight, I see you Williamsburg. Yes. Yeah, you'll see me I thought you were talking I thought you were talking about my next, like when the next no. thing comes out, and I'll be on the show. Seeing you in person. Yeah. So yeah, I'll see you there, and you know we'll have more books to chat about and talk about, and you know maybe actually have a conversation not about books. So <laughs> what the hell would you talk about? I don't know, books? man. Who <laughs> sucks more, you or me, Brandon? Which one of you became family first? I don't. Know. The thing, <clears throat> the conversation uh, at last one was Ron Malfi and Tim Levin were getting yeah. Gemma Amor drunk in the bar. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was hilarious. I made Brian Keene cry at that one, too, on the yeah. Sunday night in the bar. Did you pinch his nipples? What the fuck? <laughs> No, I did. Usually, should I say? I did stuff his bra though with money and right. Well, that'll do it. Paper cuts, you know. So you weren't you weren't that far off of the nipples. I mean, yeah. no, I might have grazed one when I was stuffing the money in there. But no, I actually um had a little chat with him on uh, Sunday night and pretty much thanked him for changing my life. And he got real emotional, and it was. Sweet and Gemma actually cried too, so it was just one of those moments that happened there, which is what makes the difference between that convention and so many of the other ones. That one is a family, and it's family and it's friends, and it's somewhere where you can actually have those meaningful moments with people that you connect with, and that just happened to be one of them. And AuthorCon will forever be my home and I will always attend as long as I'm writing. So where you can scrape a man's nipples with paper. That's one way of putting it. It is a free country. Well, that's what you said you did. Yeah. I mean, he was they they <clears throat> did the they did the bar crawl to raise money and they like dress up and like funny costumes and it's usually like this big massive oversized bra. And they're like stuffing it with money to raise money for scares. Like it's, and every year it's someone else. This year, last year they had three of them. It was Brian, I think it was Brian and Joe. And then there was a mystery guest dressed as the Grim Reaper, who was also dressed in like a bikini sort of 
outfit with over his Grim Reaper costume, and it was, I mean, it was everything. <laughs> These are the moments I live for. <laughs> so, yeah. Brandon, is it your turn? I honestly don't fucking know. Yeah, it's it is. Turn. I rambled. Uh, sorry. I I would reiterate Candace's points of just I just read I liked that I I thought that was a great final thought. Um, also Candace's point of don't make grown men cry by pinching their nipples. Um, and you you remember making that point right? Sure. Yeah. Um, Ro Rowan, you would be amazed how many people you know the, during their final thoughts. You know they they are super generous and kind and say they say thank you and they forget to say things like you know make sure you buy Boxfire, which is available where all good books are sold uh, oh, in brick and mortar bookstores at Amazon uh, all now. So that's that's what we always try to work into ours, just in case you forget, so that people remember they have to <laughs> go buy job, that book. Brennan. Exactly. That's your job. And it pays so well. <laughs> pays jelly beans. But by by Foxfire. <laughs> Rowan Hill. We love you. We want you back. Um, Absolutely. Appreciate your time. And uh I don't really know what to say. My brain feels like it's about to die. So next episode. Oh, anybody else hear a pig? <laughs> Fuck you. Anyone hear a discussion? Greta has feelings too. Uh, uh which is her name? Uh named after Greta Van Fleet, the band. Um next episode is 226. We have Tyler Jones and Josh Mallerman. So we will talk about stuff and things and books and probably not nipples, but can't leave that off the table. It seems likely, actually. <laughs> it does seem likely. <laughs> you have many choices in podcasts, people. Thank you for picking us.